Joe. I want you to go higher right there. I can't go higher. Yes, you can. I can't go higher, all right? Yes, you can. Just give it a try once more, please. Taking all the best in me. Oh, can't you see? You got the best in me. Oh, can't you see? You're bringing on the heartbreak. Stop right there. What the hell is wrong with it now? Peace. Hold on one second, okay? Hold on. You play back. How do you do that then? I didn't do anything. You did it. No, you tricked your dog. Listen to me, guys. You got it, okay? Now, you don't know where it is or how to find it or how to polish it once you do find it, but you got it. everybody and welcome to the night fly with me dave juskow uh rather humid week and very confusing times at least in new york city the weather is it cold is it hot what's happening am i using the air conditioner oh it's driving me crazy i'm like and and none of my fans work none of my fans work so i don't have to use you know it's not air conditioner with it None of my fans, they, I just have nothing but trouble with fans. It's like, a, it's like I, it, it, if, if I believed in it, I would think that I've done something wrong to electronics to make them hate me. I mean, there's really something weird about the electricity in my apartment. As if there was some sort of poltergeist. That's laughing at me. Khan, I'm laughing at your superior intelligence. A little scene from Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, because I know all the dialogue. Yes, well, filming, uh, taping, rather, on a Sunday afternoon in New York City. And a rainy one at that. Couldn't get it together to about 3 o'clock. Wanted to do about 10 a.m. You know, I like to do the morning podcast. Everybody likes a morning podcast. I like seeing a movie at around 10 a.m. What movie was that? Was that the Albert Brooks movie and they have Rex Reed on just in the interview? And he goes, I'd like to see a movie about 10 a.m. I remember me and my friend Lawrence, we were laughing about that for years. He was so gay. I'd like to go to the movies at about 10 a.m. And then, well, he was so lucky, sort of privileged prick, you know, that he could see movies at 10 a.m. That was before they had movies at 10 a.m. People would screen for him because he was a legendary critic. Now you can see movies whenever the hell you want. It's pretty sweet magic. This day and age, a little Netflix action. People have home movie studios. I mean, it's kind of a dream living at this day and age. And if you don't think so, well, just try and put your cell phone somewhere and see if you can live without it for more than 10 minutes. My God, what have we done? You know, I think about that all the time. I think about 
when I was a kid and you're learning about history, you know, uh, the revolution, things like that, and you're thinking about, I don't know if you're like me, I mean, if you're obsessed with television like me, are, are you thinking like I was thinking, like, oh, my God, what the fuck did they do for entertainment? What do you do at 6 o'clock at night on a weeknight when it gets dark? I'll tell you what they did. They went to bed. I was talking to my sister a couple of weeks ago about this. When they didn't have electricity for two weeks because of Hurricane Sandy, because I said before, you know, I live in the privileged Upper East Side, so we had no issues. But when they didn't have electricity for two weeks, they ended up, when it got dark, going to bed. I mean, I guess that's what people did. You know, maybe you'd hang around by candlelight for a couple hours, and then you pretty much retire. I can't even imagine what it is in the winter months when it doesn't even get dark early. You, I mean, you basically got to sleep from like 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. I guess everybody was well-rested back then. I mean, what other choice did you have? And what happens, for God's sakes, if you wake up in the middle of the night, let alone having to go to the bathroom, when you got to walk outside? Oh, my God, I don't even want to think about it. But that's what I used to think about. And then I think about kids today, and I think about these kids today, and I think about, you know, cell phones and how it's kind of funny. No, no matter how old you are, or unless you're Rhoda Juskow, um, no matter how old you are, like, you know, my, my age in my 50s, um, God, I couldn't live without my cell phone for more than 10 minutes. I just left it to go get a cup of coffee, which I did on purpose. I'm like, I, I can handle this. That's how bad it was. I can handle this. I can walk two blocks to get a cup of coffee without my phone. You know, I mean, you know, and we're old. You know what I'm saying? Like, we think, like, kids can't be without their phones. It's us, too. That's how relevant it is in our lives and our existence to where I'm now thinking, what the fuck did I do at 6 o'clock on a Friday or whatever night it was? There were three channels. Well, what did you do when the network signed off? What did you do when there was no TV? Uh, I guess it went to bed. Uh, I guess. God. I mean, it turns out that I was actually living in John Adams-like times. You know, in my mind, I was living in revolutionary times when I think about now. All the stuff I can do 24 hours a day, look up stuff on my phone, uh, you know, watch anything I want on TV, any movie. I can, and I, we've talked about this before. I can watch Star Wars at three in the morning if I feel like it, you know, which was my dream. What, you know, in 1977, when I'm sitting there, I'm like, God, I can't wait for the day that I can, that Star Wars will be on Channel 11 at three in the morning so I can watch it. Now it's on TNT at three in the morning. And if it's not on then, I can go, I can buy it just at my house at three in the morning and watch it. Or, you know, I, maybe I have it on a DVD. I mean, it's a goddamn miracle, I think. If for a person who worships television as much as I do, did, and will forever, <laughs> it's a god, it's a bloody miracle is what it is. It's a bloody miracle. We're going to blow the bloody doors off. Let me tell you something, Master Bruce, we're going to blow the bloody doors off. I don't mind you coming here and telling me how to run my life, but I will tell you this. Michael Kane, everybody, joining us uh, today. Now, Michael, let me tell you, let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, you've been in this building before where I live. Uh, what do you think of it? I like, David, if I, can I call you Dave? 
I don't mind coming to this building, but I do mind that every time I'm in the lobby, no one is friendly. I must have said hello to a dozen people and they all whisk me off. And I'm Michael Caine. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, Michael Caine used to come to this building all the time because he was friends with my friend on the sixth floor in 6F. 6F, the man who was too stubborn to tell Michael Caine he was sick, to tell David Bowie he was sick and dying. Yeah, you heard me right, David Bowie. Too proud to tell him he was dying and then he died. Where Michael Caine and David Bowie could have helped him live a little longer, but he was too proud. I guess I kind of get that. I mean, that's what's going to happen to me. Clearly, clearly. You think I'm going to tell Paul Rudd that I'm sick? No. I can't be that guy. Paul, it's, it's, it's just that I need a little money to uh, get a liver. And uh, I know this is an awkward request. I mean, I guess that's the thing. So Bowie and Michael Caine used to come to this building all the time. I've told you that many times. It's just funny when I think about it now. David Bowie. Me and Iman used to be in the elevator. Remember when we fixed his, we changed the sheets together? Prettiest woman I've ever seen in my life. Iman. Now, in Star Trek VI, let me ask you something. When you had that kissing scene with Captain Kirk, let me ask No, I'm going to ask you something. Now, Iman, just let me ask you this. I just want to ask you this one question. Come on. Why are you being like that? But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of funny that they all used to come to this building. But, you know, and now I'm the new... No, that guy's name was Danny. Uh, I can't think of his last name now. I'm the new guy. Now, like, oh, that guy knows everybody. Oh, they all come up here. And they're going to take care of me when I'm old, I guess, because, um, you know, you die if you don't have money. You die and you go to prison. But if you got money, you live longer and you um, you never go to prison. Then you go to prison for a month or two and then, you know, you get out. I mean, do you think it's right that Lori Laughlin goes to prison, but OJ is walking around? I mean, is that right? What kind of society do we live in? Anyway, uh, all that being said, I well, let's where to begin today. Uh, I will tell you this. I yeah. So well, I was I, you know I listen to Howard Stern all the time. So we had Def Leppard on this week, and we're going to talk about that in a second. And so I played that clip up front. Well, well, okay. No, I'm going to go back to that. I want to tell you something about, you know, Howard always talks about Tommy John underwear. So I finally bought a pair. It's really expensive. Like one pair is $27. I mean, that's ridiculous. I usually get the three-pack from Old Navy. But lately, my underwear has just been horrible. And I don't know whether it's from just being fat or whatever it is. It's not good. And I like boxer briefs. You know, I don't like to wear boxers. I like a little, uh, well, the way it used to be for me is I don't like the the, the fellas hanging around because, you know, in case I get into some trouble on the streets, it used to be I'm like, no, I got I to gotta offend myself and boxers wouldn't be good if I get into a fight. This is the way I used to think. So now I've been wearing boxer briefs so long. I can I can wear boxers when I'm around the house later, but when I'm out, I, I, I need the support. So I'm going to try these Tommy John underwear that he's talking about. I'm going to buy one pair. And see what this is all about. Well, I wore the pair on the night of my show. And I got to say, it's pretty good. I'm good. (laughs) It was was, uh, was pretty great. It's like I was thinking about them 
when I got out of the cab at three in the morning, I'm like, you know, this pair of underwear is all right. Yeah, I mean, I could try to get those the first time I tried it, but I immediately wanted to buy another pair. But then there was a problem with the website or something. Now I want to buy three, but that's it's like a hundred dollars. I would like to get a week of Tommy John underwear <laughs> under my belt. What? Yeah, I went there. Um, it's pretty good though. Uh, it's kind of like wearing Spanx. No, it doesn't like make me look thinner, but it's like got a. I guess it's nylony. I don't know. You're like slipping in your jeans, kind of. It's 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 exciting. I don't know why. Hmm. But yeah, I want to get another pair, but it's pricey. It's pricey, and I'm in trouble. Uh, let me tell you about. Um, let me tell you about the show on Tuesday that happened, the Final Four show. Um, before I tell you about the week, and let me also say something too. God, we haven't had guests in like such a long time. I don't know why. I don't know, am I not putting effort into the show, or am I just going through a spell, or am I bored, or is it because I was just trying to get one guest that nothing else mattered? I can't figure it out. Now I've been doing the podcasts on Sundays, taping them, come out Tuesdays, where I was doing them on Wednesdays and Thursdays when I got home, or even Tuesdays, whatever it is. I can't tell. I don't know, but I'm, you know, when I listen back, I'm still enjoying them. So I hope you are too. I guess you just keep going until you just hit pay dirt and have a good time, right? I mean, you just keep keep doing it because they, you know, if you're doing one a week, well, they can't all be gems, right, folks? I mean, I mean, you figure if you hit 20 classics in 52, I mean, that, you know, that's not horrible. Um, you know, the other stuff's all filler. I guess. But I suppose if I'm in a good mood, it's a good podcast. And that's the way we will judge each and every podcast from now on. So let me tell you what happened. I mean, do I have clips? Yes, I got it. But I don't want to play them. It's boring. It's, I mean, for me, I am not. I started listening to my stand up and I'm like, I can't. I cannot play this. I can't. I can't do it. It wasn't horrible this time, you know, because I opened the show, right? So it wasn't the worst thing ever. And remember, when I do stand-up, it's it's um, the first time I've ever done the material on stage. So come on, that's that's the best, right? Uh, let's see. I'll I'll play you. Nah, I really don't want to play anything. No, I'll just play a tiny bit of me. Oh, that's Joe Mackey. Oh, sorry. By the way, you both you do look Italian. I guess that makes sense. You're not Italian. What are you? I'm Turkish. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, right. Uh, the only part is when you get nervous. Like, what are you? If, like, if you're Jewish, people just tend to be like, well, Jewish. You know, just in case, in case something goes horrible. Oh my, I'm just the worst comic. I can't. I can't listen back. And people, the thing is, if you're going to be a comic, you you have to listen back to your set. Right? I can't do it. It's it's just um you know and again it it I don't it really didn't go that bad and you know I'm the worst judge of myself in the sense of that but it wasn't horrible you know I just did seven minutes brought up Joe Mackey explained the uh, thing to the audience so yeah let's go later into the show but I came out a Dominican lesbian. <laughs> 
No, that's one of the new kids. Yeah, I can't do this. I just it just makes me sick. There's nothing big that happened. You didn't miss anything. You know, if you didn't show up, it was just it was a good show. I think people were very excited about the final four plan. Um, I think they liked it. I think they enjoyed the competition. But let me tell you what happened. And this goes into the next day. So everything was going smooth, right? So I got so I get up, I bring up my mother came. And uh, so well, here's something that happened. Chris Stefano was on and he was talking about being German, I guess, or that he'd gone to the 23andMe. He was German and um, he was doing some German material. And when he left, I'm like, thank you, Chris, although I don't think my mother appreciated the German stuff. And, you know, ha ha ha. And he goes off stage. The next day, my sister said, like, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> when you said, I don't think my mother appreciated the German stuff, mommy, uh, uh, turned to me and she goes, yeah, I really didn't appreciate that. And apparently that statement made Dory laugh so hard she was crying laughing. <laughs> so now we know what makes Dory laugh. <laughs> no, I did not appreciate <laughs> So if I was able to kind of technically make Dory laugh that much, then uh, I guess it's all worth it. But um, so, right, so we get these four kids, right? We get this um, Madeline Smith, our friend Keanu Thompson, who I always want to say Keanu Reeves, of course. This kid, Troy Bond, good-looking, um, black-white kid, tall, handsome fella, and Steve Rogers. Now, listen to this, because this is going to bother me the rest of my life. This is one of those things that fucked me up. Madeline Smith, if you don't know her, I mean, you wouldn't, and now you never will. That's how kind of fucked up this was. So Madeline Smith, who seemed like a very delightful person, I met her. I was like, hey, why don't you come on the show? You'll be fine. She has energy. It, it should be good. She comes on the show, and uh, she says, hey, can I get I got some friends coming? Is it hard to get them in? And I'm like, no, I'll put two cops at the door. I'll just put Madeline Smith plus one, so tell them to use your name, which I think is fair enough. She's doing a free show, even though I paid everybody. I gave the, those kids 25 bucks. And... When we get there, she brings in this black guy, and I'm like, well, who the fuck is this guy? You know, and she goes, this is my friend. I'm like, well, is he your comp? Is this is that what it is? So here's the other thing, too. The Village Underground, like the Comedy Cellar, now puts everyone's phones into a bubble wrap a sealed bag. Everyone's cell phones have to be in a bubble-wrapped, sealed bag. And you are not allowed to open that bag until the end of the show. Now, you know what? Great. Now, they're not doing this for my benefit, obviously, but they're doing it in case Louis C.K. stops by or whoever. But Louis being the prime person, Louis comes in. Everybody's going to put their phones up. It's not right. You want to have a if you like Louis and still love Louis in the sense, you know, some people might walk out, but. I can pick or choose to have him come in and do a spot. I would always let him do a spot. Louis a good man, and he's been very kind to me. So if he was there and people want to walk, that's their fucking problem. They can have their money back, even though that affects me. I will always let Louis do a spot. I don't think what he did was so goddamn bad, and everybody's got to shut the fuck up. So, but the point is, so you can't have your camera out just in case him or even somebody like Judd Apatow comes in. He doesn't want it on YouTube or whatever. Uh, so that's why they started doing this. And you know what? If you don't like it, yeah, 
good, don't come to the show. Because what were you planning to do on the show anyway? Why are you looking at your phone? I turn off my phone when I got a Broadway show. I turn it off when I'm at a comedy show. Why would I be looking at my phone during a show? Who's taking a call during the show? Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? It's it it you 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 paid for the event. Just turn off your phone for a while. That's the way. If you have something pressing, don't go to the show. I, I mean, this is I turn off my phone at shows. It's the same thing at Broadway shows. Why wouldn't I do it? I could turn it on an intermission, whatever. But this Broadway show, the same intermission is the same as my entire show is. So that's the way it is. You want to leave early and go at your phone, then go ahead. You know, if it's that important to you. And if you're waiting for something important, don't go in the show. What can I tell you? So they put it in bubble wrap plastic now or whatever it is, bubble wrap envelopes sealed. I mean, we'd be able to, you know, somebody would hear you opening it, a waitress or staff or whatever, you know, if you're opening it. So that's, that's a, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, it's not electronic. It's not like the Dave Chappelle Radio City thing where you got to, you know, give back your chip at the end of the night and they hand you your cell phone. Your cell phone's with you at all times, but it's just in this packaging. So this black kid comes in, and yes, I'm saying black kid because I'm prejudiced, because I'm like, this looks like trouble to me. Yes, okay, that's right, yes. I'm like, why is this kid? Uh, yes, it's it's completely prejudiced. It's the exact same as Michael Jackson saying something like, and this little boy came up, and a Jewish boy, and he said, and I remember the thing was, because he didn't say anything that had anything to do with Jewish, but Michael Jackson just ripped him as a Jewish boy, Maybe he was wearing the yarmulke. It had nothing to do with anything. Why did he have to mention he was Jewish? I don't know. This is what we do. It, there's always a problem. I, there's a pro- I have a anything I say is going to be used against me, so it doesn't matter. I'm just saying. I mean, who the fuck is this guy, right? So she goes, "He's my friend," and I'm like, "Well, does he? You know, what's his story? Does he have a ticket? You know, oh, is he going to sit down?" She's like, "No, I thought he'd just stay up here." And I'm like, it, it, the way the Village Underground is, it's not like the um, the Comedy Cellar. Well, there's no room for the comics at the Comedy Cellar itself. But the Village Underground, there is a little, not the comics table like um, like in Crashing at the Olive Tree where there's an actual comics table. You sit down, you talk, you have a meal. This is a comics section where the comics all sit um, in this little balcony section waiting to go on. It's not like at my uh, Grease or Godfather shows where we're sitting on the right-hand side because they have to keep going up and on stage. This is a section near the uh, the booth, the lighting booth near the door where the comics can come and hang out, watch the show, and uh, you know prepare their, uh, to go on. So there's no room for somebody's friend. I mean, maybe there was if it was somebody cool. I mean, you can put friends and family up there. I, you know, if I felt like I could put my mother up there, I could put my friend Lawrence there. If I chose to do that, I can do it. It's my show. But this twat is a, a nobody who's working the club down the street, which is a bag of shit, which bathrooms stink, which nobody comes out of successfully. And she's coming into the comedy cellar for the first time to play there, which is a goddamn miracle, thanks to me. And she brings in this idiot. Now, granted, granted, if it was a hot girl, I'd be like, yeah, sure, she can hang around. I don't know, it's true. It's true. And I don't, I dare anybody to say differently. I probably would have thought differently. But for some reason, yes. I see this black guy, and and it wouldn't, it just wouldn't have been made a difference if it was a black guy or anybody. It just so happens to black. I'm like, okay. This is going to be trouble for me. I don't know why. I don't know how it's going to end. But I sense trouble like with that fucking Keanu's boyfriend kid, right? That kind of thing. Like you get a sense. 
somebody's personality. And so he goes, no, I'll be fine. I'll stay out of everybody's well. I'll just stand right here. And I'm like, dude, what don't you fucking understand? You cannot stand right here. I stand here and I'm in the way of the wait staff. Who the fuck is this guy? And why is this girl letting, she should know by my first reaction, she should just say, dude, you should just leave because you're going to fuck up my shit. And she's just letting this happen. And I was like, look, I got to move on. I go somewhere. I, I take care of the rest of the night. I'm pretty pissed already at this, you know, dumb twat. The other comics come in by themselves because, you know, that's what you do. Unless you tell me I, I'd like to bring a friend or something, which is ridiculous. This is an opportunity. You are not Chris Rock. You don't have an entourage, which, by the way, Chris Rock comes by himself. Kevin Hart has an entourage. I'm not only using black people as an example. I'm just saying. Ray Romano sometimes comes in with two people. He's Ray Romano. It's completely acceptable. You are a dumb twat who will never play the comedy seller again. Why are you bringing your friend? I put your name on the list. Those comps are very, uh, what do you call them, uh, specific in the sense that I like need the room if you're not going to bring your friends. And I don't even think she bought her friends. So she's already... Oh, for two as she walks in. But she's a, a sweet girl. I let it go. When I thought about it later, um, I realized, where is that kid? He wasn't there the rest of the night. I guess, okay, cool. She figured it out. He either sat down or whatever, but he ain't here. Good. I thought about it during the show, and then I was like, afterwards, I'm like, that's interesting. Whatever. Good. Good. I don't have to worry about that. She obviously figured it out. The next day, I go to the cellar because I want to meet Michael J. Fox, and I heard he was going to be on the cellar podcast, and so I went there to weasel my way onto that podcast. <laughs> I wasn't invited. I came to show up to meet Michael J. Fox. As it turns out, they taped it the goddamn night before. While I was doing my show, even in the afternoon, I never could have gotten it. I wanted to meet Michael J. Fox. I love Michael J. Fox, and I wanted to meet him. As sad as it may be, I wanted to meet Michael J. Fox. He's the greatest. He will always be cool. And just as he suffers from this horrible ailment, he's still cool. He'll always be cool. And everything about him is cool. And all you need to know, you don't even have to watch Back to the Future. You just need to watch Family Ties and realize how goddamn funny he is and how cool he is. And apparently, I mean, have you ever heard a bad word about Michael J. Fox? Because he must be a decent person. He lives in Manhattan. He's never lived in L.A. I mean, maybe he did when he was taping the, the thing, but he, he's a Manhattan guy. He lives in New York. That's usually the sign of a cool person. They're like, yeah, I don't want to live in L.A. L.A. is for suckers. He is married to the same woman he met on Family Ties. He's not one of those guys that keeps, you know, he didn't end up marrying Leah Thompson or... Or whoever was in the secret of my success. You know, he stuck with this girl from Family Ties. They've been married 30 years now. He's obviously a good man. People want him to do well. That's why we keep using him, even though it's unsettling, which it is. It's sad. But we want him to do well. He's one of those people you just want him to do well. There's a couple of people like that in the world. And one of them ain't Katherine Heigl. It's not her. I'm trying to think of another example. I don't know, probably Robert Redford, Paul, people like that. People that never got a bad rap. People that you're just like, you just want to see them do well. I've heard they're nice people. 
not George Clooney, something like that. I mean, he doesn't get a bad rap either, but it's like no one cares. But it's like there's a kindness to Michael J. Fox. There, There's something about him that makes people like really like him, let alone his work in television and movies, which is just a goddamn miracle. He's good. He's fun. He's funny. His take is funny. He's interesting. He did it all on his own. He's his own person. And remember... If it wasn't for him, I mean, this is how good this guy is. And we've talked about this before because I'm obsessed. He is, he's the reason he's Michael J. Fox. He's the reason there is Back to the Future. He's the reason because Family Ties is going nowhere without Michael J. Fox. Family Ties, the television show, is a stupid show that you have a pilot and then it and then it one year later you're like, you remember that show Family Ties lasted for about a year? That's it, because they banked everything on this twat. I'm using very sexist terms, I'm just angry, I'm sorry. And when I think I do boys, I think I say idiot or dickhead, so sorry. But this idiot, Meredith Baxter Bernie, is such a goddamn moron. They're bringing in, oh, she's been in a successful show. That she's going to be the best. She's hilarious. She was in Bridget Loves Bernie. Whatever. I mean, this it, they put together. It's just it's the Deborah Messing thing all over again. You think Will and Grace is going anywhere if Jack and Megan Mullally aren't in it? No, it is not because Grace, you know, Deborah Messing is the greatest comic actress of our time. Remember, I've told you a hundred times they were looking for something or they're looking for something. It's going to work. It's going to work because she's hot and she's funny. Eh, funny enough, but not funny, funny. She's never going to be Lucy. Never going to be Andrea Martin or Catherine O'Hara. No, she's just, and now she's, oh, I'm, I watch that show every week because I think Jack and, and Megan Melania are, Melania are really funny, really funny. And the other two, I can do without. Any of their storylines are horrible. The only reason I like Will now is just I'm like, Jesus Christ, he looks amazing. They all look amazing except for Deborah Messing who's a fat pig. And it, and it wouldn't even be a problem if she just wasn't the worst actress. So that's what Meredith Baxter Bernie was. She was the Deborah Messing in 1982. Let's find something for this really hot girl that knows how to do comedy. Does she? Have you ever seen an episode of Family Ties? She thinks she's funny. She's not. And somehow, some way, the universe found this short, you know, pretty good-looking kid, but not, you know, Robert Redford-like shit, but, you know, uh, you know, a handsome fella with, with, you know, tiny. And the universe found this kid, and he just went out and, you know, got this role, made it his own. And that's the reason why Family Ties were shit. Remember, we talked about this. Meredith Baxter Bernie fucking hated Michael J. Fox. She's like, oh, maybe you don't realize, uh, sweetie, this is my show. I am the star of this show. You know, where she's not thinking like, you should be grateful you're in anything. You stink. You're a horrible actress. You get work because you are pretty. Like Sophia, like our friend Sophia knows, you are attractive mourner number one, and somehow you got lucky and got work. And the only reason that show lasted six years is because of Michael J. Fox and his greatness, although the dad was pretty hilarious too.
and Mallory was good. But none of that would have mattered without Michael J. Fox. He was the glue. And nobody remembers Meredith Baxter Bernie as being, oh, she was hilarious. What, are you ever going to meet anybody that's going to say, oh, my, my God, her character was so funny on that show. Her character is the worst on that show. She almost ruined every scene she's in. Mallory was hilarious because she was cute as hell. Her character was funny. She knows she's a bad actress. It doesn't matter. But Michael J. Fox is a comic goddamn genius. And we know this for sure from Back to the Future, and they knew it. They had to get rid of Eric Stoltz and say, like, you know what we need in this is a comic actor, not a dramatic actor. We all know Eric Stoltz is a very fine actor, but he is not a comic actor. But you know who is? This kid, Michael J. Fox Spielberg, knew it. He's like, we got to stop everything. We got to stop everything because Michael J. Fox is fucking awesome, and he will make this movie work. It's not going to be because Jim from Taxi, but the two of them together, thanks to Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson ain't carrying that movie on her own, although Crispin Glover could have, but he's insane. That's what made his character so awesome. What kind of choices are those? Those are insane person choices. The character of George McFly, think about the way he plays George McFly. He's insane. You can't teach that in acting school. That is an individual choice to play the way he played it. Get your damn hands off her, whatever it is. And that's what you get from Michael J. Fox. And Michael J. Fox is the fucking greatest, and that's that. And he doesn't have to do anything else, and he did a couple of fun things after that, but who cares? Back to the future, family ties, I'm all done. This makes him a hero to me. I'm going to Michael J. Fox rant for half an hour. I mean, now that's a podcast. Now that's a podcast. How do you explain this podcast to people? Well, my guest today will be uh, Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And then, and then I usually go on a rant about Michael J. Fox. for like, Every other week I go on a rant about Michael J. Fox. And, uh, and, and people listen to this? I didn't say they listened. I said I have a podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll have the greatest comic of our generation, David Tell, on, and, and then the next day I have, um, you know, one of the secretaries from my office. So that's a show. That's a show. Next week, Keith Hernandez. Um, so anyway, so I go into the Comedy Cellar and I see the manager, Liz, who I love. Now, we are in a very good place. Because otherwise, I don't think I would be doing these shows. By the way, the next show is June 4th. It will be the all-gay extravaganza of show tunes. So we will go from the final four basketball sports-themed to show tune-themed back to sports-themed again in September for football because that is the way Dave Juskow rolls. And how do you explain a podcast to somebody who likes sports and show tunes? You can't. You can only find this on the night fly with me, <laughs> Dave Juskow. Can't explain this to anybody. I'm never going to have like a popular podcast. I'm never going to have like, you know, tens of thousands of listeners because no, nobody can. How can you explain that to somebody? What's it about? It's about sports and show tunes. I don't understand. Neither does anyone else. And yet he puts one out every week. <laughs> Doesn't he have anything else to do? I don't think so. 
Oh, where does he tape out of? A big studio? I think his bedroom. Um. Anyway, I go to the cellar. I see Liz. And she goes, hey, what the fuck was with that whore last night? You know, whatever. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I had to kick out that girl's friend, the black guy. I had to kick him out. He opened his phone. He opened the bubble wrap package with his phone, and I kicked him out. I said, he did what? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. What? And I had to apologize profusely. I'm like, I am so... And then, how much of a dick do I feel like I bought in people that are not allowed, that are not ready to play the comedy seller, giving them an opportunity, and then it reflects on me for bringing people that should not be on that stage, tarnishing the comedy seller's name because these two girls... Uh, Keanu, who, uh, you know, I do love. And Madeline now put pictures on Instagram of them playing the comedy cellar. Now I look like a dick. I didn't even think about that. They had their phones. They took pictures. I told them they didn't need to put it away because they were performing that night. Now that reflects on me. But mostly it's just this Madeline kid. who's. I mean, I can't believe it. She, she dicked me in the worst way possible. And completely ruined her career that could have ever been at the comedy cellar. I mean, she blew it, man. So I texted her. I'm like, are you a fucking idiot? Your friend opened his goddamn phone at the thing. And she goes, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Send him back something stupid. And she go, and then, you know, wrote back uh, an hour later, like, oh my God, that's my college booker. He had whatever, whatever it was. Didn't write back. Then she called, didn't call back, didn't write back. I, I've not spoken to her. There's no reason to talk to her. I'm not going to email her. I'm not going to text her. If she doesn't realize that whoever that idiot was, whether it's her college booker who's got to be the stupidest college booker of all time or whoever the fuck he was, if she's lying to me, that guy just ruined her career, any career she might have at the particular comedy cellar. It's not ruin her career, but... Liz ain't going anywhere, and she remembers everyone. Ask my friend Joe, who comes to every show, who she completely knows now. She's like, Jessica, I know all your friends. She knows my friend Lawrence. She knows Joe. She knows my mother. She knows my sister. And those are just my shows. Think about all the other people that have shows there once a month. She knows all of Tom Papa's people. She knows everybody else. You know what I'm saying? She doesn't forget. That's why she's good at her job. She remembers stuff. And as most women know how to do, she knows how to multitask. And that girl, Madeline Smith, however you spell that Madeline name, just ruined her career pretty much by bringing in some idiot, some douchebag, who if he is her college booker, has got to be the stupidest person on the planet. Your phone is in a bubble wrap bag for a reason. Are you dumb? Liz kicked him the fuck right out. And now I look bad. She She's finished. But I look bad. And I can't stop thinking about it. And here's the worst part of all. So we do the competition. Madeline goes up against Steve Rogers, who, by the way, I am calling right after this podcast. I've been waiting to have some time. Steve Rogers is going to be on the Stephen Colbert show like next week. Madeline goes up against him. I'm judging. I'm sending people to the next round. I don't care. They're in the first round. Madeline 
seems to be doing okay, but all of a sudden she blows through the light. The guy keeps blinking the light. The rule you can't do. I'm thinking maybe she doesn't know where it is. I'm going back. I'm like, what's happening? He goes, I keep doing it. She doesn't know where it is. She doesn't know where the light is because she's so used to working at a scumbag room for a light. They just wave their camera. Maybe she did know. Who knows? That distracted me enough where Steve was on stage. Steve Rogers went next and I couldn't listen to his performance or the reaction. And I chose Madeline to go on when I thought for sure I was going to choose Steve. But because I didn't get to see his full set because of this dumb twat, he got penalized and I shoved Madeline through, which I'm so angry about myself. His set, we should probably listen to at some point. Maybe I'll ask his permission and then we'll get to judge by the audience. I don't get, give a shit about her permission, but maybe I'll ask him if that'd be okay. And then you guys can judge for yourself. Maybe I'll feel better about myself. I'm like, no, I was right. But everyone's told me, I can't believe you picked Madeline. I thought maybe you were sleeping with her or something. And I'm like, what? Because Steve did better. And I'm like, I couldn't tell. Seems like the audience reaction was, was low, but I wasn't paying attention. Oh. So she dicked me so many different ways, this Madeline Smith. And it's funny, she was the one person I didn't know. It was like in uh, Reservoir Dogs. She was my one X Factor. She was the one person. She was the, uh, who's that actor? You know, that that's the cop and he's undercover. Damn, he was the one part of the piece I didn't trust. I had, uh, you know, uh, from Chris Murphy, I had Troy Bond. Uh, a very good recommendation that he's a good guy. Whenever I knew Keanu really well, and I knew Steve Rogers, she was the one X factor where I messed up. And um, all I want to do is just punch her in the face. I don't even want to like. Sometimes I would put people on the podcast. We can go over it, but I don't want to go over it. I don't want to be friends with her. I don't want to do anything. I mean, it's going to take me some time to get over this if I ever do. I'm really pissed off, and it pisses me off more. Like. Maybe if she seemed more upset about it or realized how stupid she was, if she even called and said, Dave, I I don't even know what to say. This is so, I mean, Keanu's done that where she's called like, I am so sorry. Like there's some sort of where you just mess up and you don't, and it's not, but I feel like she's just kind of laughing in my face and it's making me furious and just what I, you know that Steve Rogers got burned from. It really just pisses me off. All right, let's move on. Um, okay, so today, uh, well, you know, I met with Netflix uh, about the Cars movie. That's right, uh, Turbocharge. I met with Netflix. I met them on Wednesday, went to their offices, met with... Um, you know, a guy I hadn't seen in a long time. He was very lovely. He, he He's rather handsome. Looks good. I think we're around the same age. But he, <laughs> um, and we talked for an hour. He was really nice. And um, But he told me pretty much the way Netflix works with, with any of my ideas. Well, we green light a lot of stuff, but you kind of got to come to the table with like a showrunner and a producer and, you know, and I'm just coming in with scripts. So I guess that's not the way it works there. But on the flip side, I did send him Turbo He goes, send me the movie. So I sent it to him on Thursday morning, and he is watching it this weekend. He could be watching it right now. Now, 
when I was watching it again, just the first part, just to be like, well, let me look at this through somebody else's eyes. I got embarrassed and I couldn't watch the rest. And then I realized it ain't going to Netflix. I'm sorry, folks. I know you guys, I know, you know, the Cars fans really like it a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where it ends, unfortunately. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what he says, but I... Uh, I just wish I could have done better. I wish I had more money. I wish I had more... Meanwhile, I had really good professional people working on it. I just didn't have enough money. I wish I had the rights to their songs. We could do it the right way. We opened today's episode with the old with you know the one of the reasons i said i'm doing this movie which was the deaf leopard movie with anthony michael hall as mutt lang you know my favorite thing where they're in their booth and they're like you can do this we're gonna be big you know that kind of stuff and i'm like all right that does it i'm i'm making the cars movie i've been planning for a long time i'm doing it because these movies are just stupid they're all the same even though I love Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Bohemian Rhapsody, baby. Um, it's all the same. You can't do that many uh, Mamma Mia's. That's ridiculous. No one will buy an album like that. I mean, it's just great stuff. But the fact of the matter is Def Leppard is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this yesterday in Brooklyn, along with Stevie Nicks and Janet Jackson. That's interesting. I would have waited a year on Janet Jackson if I were them, but uh, whatever. Because the one thing when I think of Janet Jackson is rock and roll. You know who was actually rock and roll? Michael Jackson. Because Michael Jackson combined disco and rock and roll. And that's why it was so goddamn popular. Disco being the wrong term, but you know what I mean. But Michael combined rock and dance. Janet Jackson's just dance music. Good dance music. I'm just saying. I don't know if you belong to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a disaster. I know we're all excited because the Cars got in last year, Friday, which they deserve to be. I don't understand how you put the Cars in Janet Jackson or, and and uh, what, what's the other one? The two, the one with the Flavor Flav, you know. They're all in the Rock and Roll Hall of What? I guess they expanded their... <laughs> their list of some sort. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's okay, I guess. It's just, you know, the word rock and roll, which of course is over, uh, should mean one thing. And Def Leppard should definitely be in it. And it's surprising how much Def Leppard actually meant to me, I was thinking. Um, I have so many instances of them in my life they're such a strange, interesting band. You know, they were on Howard Stern, so I guess I was thinking of them more. Mostly you always want to talk about the drummer with no arm, and that's probably why they made that movie of the week or whatever it was. It certainly wasn't the uh, Academy Award-winning movie that the Queen movie was, but the thing is... Uh, how it affects me. Number one, you have another movie with Mutt Lang, which is interesting because remember he, so he does Pyromania and Hysteria, the two Hysteria. Jesus Christ. I mean, maybe one of the greatest selling albums of all time. It's sick. And how much it meant to me in 1987, how much that album played over and over again and how much it meant to me. It's sick. 
uh, but there's so many other factors, right? So it's like, um, we also have the Mutt Lang who does the Cars movie, you know, he does the uh, Heartbeat City album. That's, you do the Hysteria and the Heartbeat City album in one lifetime, that's pretty good. You gotta be a good producer because those are two totally different sounds. But this guy knew how to do it back then. He knew how to work it. Jesus Christ. There's a guy you want to have on your podcast for God sakes. Um, and, you know, as they show in the movie, and it's a fact, he goes, you know, in 1983, Pyromania, same year as Michael Jackson's Thriller, kicks ass, you know, in a different way. And then, you know, when he's doing the Asteria, which was supposed to be done way in advance, but there was all the delays, you know, because the drummer lost an arm. And then there was other sicknesses. And people got the mumps or the measles, delayed for five years. Um, he says going in, hey, guys, I want to make this next album. I want to make it a rock and roll, a mega album like Michael Jackson's Thriller. He says, I want to match. I want to have seven hit songs one after the other. This is the way people are releasing stuff now. The only way you judge an album is by, <clears throat> sorry, the songs that it has on, you know, so, and then he did it. I mean, it was as big as Thriller in 1987. I mean, I don't know how many songs it had, but it had like seven. So, but the funny thing is about Def Leppard is that I, I didn't know anything about them, do you? I don't know anything. I mean, it was like if they were Americans, I think they would have been even huger. You know what I'm saying? I think they would have been more like Bon Jovi or something, like really. I know they were huge technically, but we didn't know anything about them. They weren't like idols. You, you know, they did, we didn't know their names like we did with Motley Crue or even um, Cinderella or, you know, any of those bands, Skid Row, you know, Sebastian Bach. You know, like how we knew those guys. I don't think anybody knows any. I mean, you know, if you're really heavy into that, which I was, I just knew them as a band. I didn't know them individually. I guess that's because they weren't American and the other ones we mentioned were. I'm assuming that has something to do with it. But the album that I remember came out in 81, which was High and Dry, and has the song that they were doing. It's so funny because I remember it. So when I was in L.A. in 2000, uh, I was doing this character called Ty Romeo, which we wrote a script about. And he was this guy who was based on Billy Squire and David Lee Roth, the combination of both. David Lee Roth in the sense that he was this wow, crazy guy, and it turns out he's just like a nice Jewish boy, played by me. And Billy Squire in the sense that one music video uh, ruined his career, and now he lives this other life. And so Billy Squire's career was ruined by Rock Me Tonight, in which he was just so gay, it just ruined any street cred he had. Um, and in Ty Romeo's version, he did a video called Rock Me All Over, which was clearly based on Rock Me Tonight, in which he was going down the street being cheered on by construction workers and sailors <laughs> and doing Sinead turns down the way. You know it would be hilarious if I was able to make that video. And it ruined him. And then they just kept making fun of him on Beavis and Butt and all that kind of stuff. And that's where the, the show picks up. And I had the soundtrack that I was doing. It was a play in L.A. with Ken Ober and, um, I don't know, a bunch of comics and stuff. But we had the band and I sang and this 
girly Randy from, uh, you know, that's how I got her that job in Hole. Um, and I remember I was playing, I was looking for this song. This was the transition song between the scenes. And I couldn't remember what it was. I remember the song so well because of the, uh, the melody that it takes. But I forgot where it was from, and then I just remember it. It's this is my favorite. I don't think I ever knew it was Def Leppard when I was in high school. I guess I certainly remember it really well. I love when it does that little, that little twang. Yeah. And the rest is kind of normal. Still fun though. Awesome power ballad shit for 1980s, right? And this is perfect for a Jersey 80s boy high school, you know. But the thing is, so then um, this play that I had, um, I did a song. I wrote this song, and I got to find it somewhere, and I have it, called Raise the Guillotine. That This was Ty Romeo's number one song, you know, Raise the Guillotine. And, you know, it opens with us singing it, and we have a small guillotine or whatever, and it goes, Raise the guillotine way up high since you left me. Heads are gonna fly. <laughs> it had that uh, Beverly Hills Cop, the shakedown kind of thing, and I combined that and something else, and and that's what it was. That I can just remember those words off the top of my head. Raise the guillotine way up high since you left me. And then, you know, it stops. Heads are gonna fly. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't make people laugh, people suck, right? So so then, because Def Leppard, it's just so funny how they're not dead. I'm <laughs> just saying. It's just so funny how I don't think I realized how prevalent they were in my existence until I heard them on Howard. I'm not talking about anything in particular. I was just thinking about them going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And thinking about how they've been in my life for so long. So then, so then, when we were doing the show, uh, there were Ken Ober like had a radio show. So I started doing these bits around town, around LA, where I played older rocker Ty Romeo, you know, and I wore glasses and a, and a, and a jacket because I was ripping off um, Eric Clapton when he started doing. When he changed everything and did the um, unplugged version of Layla, remember? Legendary, epic, started everything. And that's what I would make fun of Def Leppard because these guys come in. That's when you knew it had gone too far 
Def Leppard came in and said, yeah, we're doing our unplugged version of Pour Some Sugar on Me. And it sounds ridiculous. It sounds good because they're good harmonizing, but it's stupid and it's not necessary. And when your lyrics are like, I'm a hot, sticky, sweet from my head to my feet. I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid. So then I would go on radio shows and just friends' apartments and I had, uh, I think it was Steve Agee, and he would play the guitar, and we would do the acoustic version of Raise the Guillotine. Like, I would go on these shows as Ty Romeo, and we would do the acoustic version of Raise the Guillotine. And it was great. because, And it was stupid, but I wonder if anybody even knew it was... Ba- I think I used to say, well, after I heard... I, I didn't even use a British accent, so I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> I was like, well, after I heard, you know... Um, Def Leppard dude, I'm like, I got to get out there and do, you know, I think people want to hear Raise the Guillotine. So uh, let's do it. Yeah. Raise the guillotine way up high. Since you left me, heads are going to fly. Thank you. <laughs> All based on the acoustic version or whatever, the unplugged version of Pour Some Sugar on Me, which thank God they did not do it that way on Howard Stern last week. But, I mean, how funny is that? But then the thing about, again, with Depp Leopard, and um, so Pyromania, I mean, comes next, right? So, I mean, it's a great album, but I don't think about it except of course everybody knows this one did you also know that i believe this is mutt lang i think that's him talking i think that's him saying that which is a little odd but um i mean you know i always wondered where that came from had no idea it was def leppard i mean i knew later i just didn't know in 1987 I mean, everybody knows this one, but you don't know it from the beginning. Of course. Oh. You don't even know you know these. Go. This is a classic. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? So, um, so I don't even remember. I, I know the songs really well. Probably knew it was Def Leppard back then. I don't know. No one cared. It was a mega smash, but nobody cared. But then in 1987, Jesus Christ, everyone knew. Hysteria. That album was sick. And, um... The best song for me, I loved every song. I mean, I used to just go from Rocket to Animal. I used to love Animal, the way it started. 
I, I, I play this riff in my head weekly. Just that opening. I play it all the time in my head. You know, just like when I'm when there's silence and then all of a sudden I just go into that. I must have listened to that a million times. So I'm living on my own, you know, in Queens. Stupidest story in a crappy fucking place. Having a miserable existence. And these songs meant a lot to me. Taking the subway, doing these little comedy gigs that just made you angry thinking about the future. But this song, when I heard this particular song, where it goes to this next level, for some reason, this song, I don't know, it meant so much to me that they that somebody, I mean, it sounds so ridiculous right now because it's kind of stupid, I guess, now growing up. But the fact that somebody was able to write a song like this and take you to this next level, you know, when you're just a kid, meant so much to me. I, I, it, I don't know why. I thought it was the greatest song anybody had ever written. Ever. And it wasn't even that popular. I know it's a little lame and weird, I guess, to like it. I just thought it was the greatest thing. But I And I remember how much I liked it. I was in this comedy group with this girl. She was the lead, and we were her underlings. She also lived in a story for some reason, and we would rehearse. And That's how I got in the Joe Franklin show. My God, it's all coming back. And, um, you know, we were going to perform this place. We were doing sketches, and... She had this director, and he was a weirdo, and he was obviously an idiot. Nice guy. But you knew he didn't know what he was doing, and he was lucky to be there in the first place. I mean, this is a, this is 22-year-old Dave Jessica saying, this guy doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. Like, You know, you can spot people a mile away. You know when people are funny, and you know when people are just going through the motions or, or, or trying. They want to be in comedy, but they shouldn't be, you know? So there was another kid in the group who was hilarious, and he should have been there. And then there was another guy who wasn't good. And then there was this girl who was pretty. But, you know, she wasn't going. You've never heard of her since or anything. But she was good enough. My dad thought she was great because she was pretty. It was all horrible. But the director she bought, and I don't know, he was an older guy. And when I say older, he could have been 32. And um, he didn't know anything about comedy. And he was taking it too serious. And it was really funny. But it's funny when you know. And I guess I had... Yeah, I must have, I guess I meant to tell by this time and stuff like that. This is something else. It wasn't stand-up. And I said, dude, you, you, you got to listen to this song. You got to listen to this song. Because it must have just come out that they were started playing this particular one. Maybe it was the last one off the album that they were playing. 
And I was like, you got to listen to this part. And I made him put on the headphones and listen to it. That's how much it was like so exciting. And I was like, no, 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 listen to this part. Listen to where they go after this. Listen to this. It's amazing, right? Dude, are you getting this? This is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I thought that was the greatest place to go in a song. I don't know. It worked for me where they were just taking it to this other level and it spoke to me and that's all I wanted to do was write a song like that someday or just, I don't know. I just wanted to, that song took me out of the place that I was in where I felt maybe this can all work out and maybe years from now, you know, things will be better. Now, it didn't work out that way, but, um, <laughs> you know, at the time, songs like that just meant so much to me. I didn't even have my, my girlfriend bought me a set of headphones that, you know, I needed to. She's like, I asked for the loudest ones in the store. I mean, I needed to play this very loud. They go to that next level. <laughs> I mean, this part's stupid. I knew that then, too. But, but then it hits again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. And if I could write a song like this and play this, I'd be the coolest guy ever. That's what I was thinking. Right? I have to, now I have to go to that part again. Lyrics are horrible, and yet, did not matter. Oh, oh my God! It's the key change. I think it gets to me every time. Oh, man, I don't know why. I don't know. You know, I mean, you could be laughing at me now, like, really? Really? But I know you guys, I mean, if you appreciate the Triumph song, I know you're going to like this one, too. But um, God damn. God damn. Def Leppard was good. Those boys are good. That boy's good. These these guys were as good as Randy Jackson, um, you know, who was in that episode of That's My Mama, uh, <laughs> who sang, I believe that children are the future. Teach them well. Let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Sexual chocolate! Sexual chocolate! Come on! <laughs> I mean, these, guys, these guys are just as good. That boy's good. <laughs> Came out around the same time. So <laughs> I was just like, boy, that boy's good. This is my band, Sexual Chocolate. Give me all of your loving. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, well, now I'm doing my Rick Ocasek. Uh, well, that's only certain people that have seen the movie, but um, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, you know, look. So the guy from Netflix, he goes, so, oh, you have a podcast? What's it about? Uh, how do I put this? Hey, also, um, my friend Evan sent me uh, an email, and the email subject line was good Elliot Easton story. And he sent me a, a story about Elliot Eason, who's the lead guitarist for the Cars. And, of course, the key word being underrated, which is probably true, because nobody took the Cars very seriously either, except for our uh, friends um, who love the Cars. Uh, of course, uh, Don and Dave, but um, and all their listeners and people that they know. We all appreciate the Cars, but let's face it, they are... Not as taken seriously as people would like them to be, perhaps. But their music sure is good. It sure is entertaining. And that's what I like. I like the key changes. Good melody, snappy tunes. <laughs> Sexy album covers. I mean, what's better than a good melody and good harmonies? I mean, that's that's my thing. Why do you think I like show tunes so much, I guess? That's what they always have if, they, if they've done them right. Good melody, good harmony. That's the Beatles. So what if I like Def Leppard just a little? It's a little harder rock. <laughs> and, you know, say that to anybody that likes Metallica. Like, what? Yeah, they're hard rock, Def, Def Leppard. What? You heard me. You hear those uh, guitars, those layered guitars? Unbelievable. You don't even know what hard rocking is. Oh, yeah. I'll show you. But, uh, so that's the... Uh, that's all I got for today. I mean, I'm saying uh, the Netflix thing and and all that stuff. I have other stuff, too. Uh, i tell you, uh, I actually went to, I don't know if this is good. I, I'm, I'm, after the, on two, Thursday, I, uh, my friend asked me if I wanted to go. It, this is great. On Thursday, my friend Elena, who I hang out with sometimes, you know, asked me if I wanted to go to an art gallery with her. And I'm like, yeah, do you goddamn mind? And then it turns out my friend Caitlin for work was like, hey, do you want to go out after work? I got to meet a friend, but can you wait? You know, can you come with me for a little bit? I'm like, no. But then it all converged into this one place, which was right near each other. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll go. So I had gone out after work three days in a row, and that's difficult for me. Mostly, I think because I think I have to go to the bathroom when I get home. Like, I don't want to make a duty at work. But, you know, I, th I have like a 7 o'clock time thing. So I'm always like, you know, I want to go home and go to the bathroom. Then I could go out, but then I ain't going out after I get home. But that's my, I got to change my clock around. Is that a thing? Should I not have mentioned that? I know a lot of you guys get it. So, yeah, you know, it's around 6, 7 o'clock. And I don't like going to the office. So then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Huh? What are you going to do? It's a pickle. <laughs> anyway, I went out after work and uh, went down to this bar, hung out a little bit, right? Had two beers. And my friend Alina came with her friends who were going to the art gallery with her and, uh, she goes, no, let's go. And I'm like, well, let me just get my check. She goes, no, 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 I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. And she puts money out. I'm like, are you sure you've put money around? Because I do not want to leave my two 23-year-old friends with a bill. And she goes, no, no, I put, please, I put out plenty. I put out plenty. You don't think this is enough? She showed me what she put out. I wasn't even paying attention. I, I usually trust her. Turns out I found it later. Wasn't nearly enough. I was, I was devastated. Again, somebody dicks me over. It makes me look like a dickhead, and it's not my fault. 
I can usually trust her. I was very upset. I texted her. I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Why are you going to make me stupid? The bartender remembered my name because I tipped him so well the last time I was here, jerk off. And now you ruined that for me. What the fuck is the matter with people? Let me just, what do you want to rush for? I'm just going to get the bill. I'm going to pay it. And then we're going to go. And if you're going to make a big stink about being how rich you are, that you're going to buy a piece of art and all that shit, then pay the proper amount. I don't want to get mad at her because I don't want her to hear this and then ruin things because that's what happened because I love her. I do. But she knows I'm very angry about this and I will explain it to her and we can move on with our life. But this is not cool. It's not. You don't want to be known as that. That's the one thing I don't want to be known as is the guy that doesn't tip well. That's like the worst thing, let alone being Jewish. It's like just, you know, that's like the worst thing that can happen, which is probably why me and Atel overtip all the time. Now, he has the means to overtip. I just overtip and pretend that this is, oh, don't worry about it. I got plenty of money. Meanwhile, I had to, I went down Saturday to try and get my check, but it wasn't ready because I'm going to LA and then I don't think I have enough money. <laughs> so, ugh. but, so then we went to the art gallery and uh, I and it was huge. It was a huge art gallery, um, like three floors or something. And I said, Oh, I'm surprised I haven't run into somebody I know yet. And she's like, look at you. You're like, you're going to run into somebody. I'm like, I don't know. It's New York City. You know, it happens all the time. Lo and behold, I run into somebody I know. About 10 minutes after I said that statement, run into my friend Dilo, the guy who took me to see the Charles Nelson Riley show at the Irish Repertory Theater, <laughs> the one we walked out of because it was so horrible. He goes, and that man's name, my father got a job opportunity i'm doing paul lynn but just picture it as charles nasrani first let me do the charles nasrani <laughs> but i just can't do that because he was so gay he was just like my dad was a cartoonist and he got offered a job and he asked his the job asked him to move to la but my mother wouldn't so we didn't take the job and that man's name was walt disney and my friend and i are like we're out Unless you don't, unless you talk about match game or cannonball run right now, or even the ghost of Mrs. Muir, we're out. And we left an intermission. And that guy didn't talk to me for two years after that. We found out why his wife was really angry. Anyway, that's how I saw it, the thing. And it was great to see him. He's come to a lot of the shows. It was just so funny because I said, and then Alina saw me. She goes, oh, my God, you said you were going to run into somebody you know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, why? I don't understand. How do you know so many people? I'm like, again, I don't know how to put it. You live, in a, you live in a town for 30 years, no matter what town it is, and you don't know, I don't know, somebody somewhere or most people, you, you've, you've done something horribly wrong. Who am I, Dory? <laughs> How are you? I don't know. It was great to see him, and I was drinking. I was drunk. I had already like five beers in. I was feeling pretty good. And, uh, yeah, of course, I... Um, you know, I was trying to do all my cocktail lines. I don't know whether I got them. I took some. Uh... It's very urban in orientation. How did you get the cockroach? To... Yeah, see, I'm uh, telling you, all my line is from the movie Cocktail when he goes to the dinner party. It's very urban in orientation. How did you get the cockroach to pose for so long? And then the guy punches him in the face. You know what I'm talking about? You know I'm obsessed with the movie Cocktail. Um. Wait, I think I have a clip of it I found. It's a hard clip to find. It's uh, very urban in orientation. Robert, tell me. How did you get the cockroach to stand still? You're a drunk. 
you're ugly. Yeah, so that's what I said. That's what I was telling everybody. Stand so long for the painting. It's from Cocktail. I never saw that. What? Nobody saw it. Are you kidding me? Very urban in orientation. Let's see, I did meet somebody from Argentina. Argentina, I don't speak. What? I'm from Argentina. <laughs> I don't. He's kidding. Ah, he's, no, I don't speak English very well. No matter what you were going to say, I was going to say, what? What? Oh, no. No, please. This Argentina, is that, a, is that near Jersey? Yes. Yes. Oh my God, I'm hilarious at art galleries. Why can't I be this funny on stage? Near from New Jersey. Oh, I like it though. Yes. No, it's very lovely. Is it, can I, is it like dance oriented or is it, it's just, I, I'm asking, no. I don't know. No, no. I don't know why, it reminds it's me of like. It, it's, it's to me. Yeah, so she says no, she says no. 20, 10 minutes later, we're talking 10 minutes, her husband comes over and goes, that's why this piece is very dance oriented. I'm like, what? I just said that. I started yelling at it. I'm like, you just, I asked you 10 minutes ago if it was dance and you said no. Well, I don't know what you say. It's like, uh, the fuck is that? Kind of, yeah. I, I paint women and I want to paint them. Uh, the color for me is emotion. And the, the, what they wear, it's, it's not important. No. It's the colors they wear. Yeah. And, uh, and they don't have faces because I want to be universal. Women in the universe, that's why. But somehow I almost... Can you imagine? You, you're five beers in, you got to listen to this idiot talking about her art. Oh, let me tell you something. Oh, you know what, though? But it's fucking great. Because I was saying to myself, well, the night before, I just, you know, performed in front of these people, and now you're doing something like this. I mean, this is why you live in the big city. This is... Probably what 22-year-old Dave just got listened to Armageddon it was thinking, well, maybe my life would be so interesting because I'll go to art shows one day and I'll perform another day and then I'll do this a different day. I mean, I guess, right? It's why you live in New York. This is why you live in New York. You go to these uh, snob, these crummy snobatoriums. I kind of see the face. Yes, you can see, but I don't tell you right. what face you have to see. I was right. going to say, I don't think That's you finished them. There's no, no face. <laughs> it's I more simple. <laughs> Smart move. No. And this is where I come up with the, um, the, the best line. Of the that one has more boobies. That's all I'm seeing. There. It has their boobies. Their two boobies are yeah. outside. Yeah, that's all I notice is it has boobies. I'm an idiot. Uh, but she was putting up with it because I think my friend was thinking about buying this $3,000 you know, piece of artwork. I found a piece of artwork that I actually really liked, and it was $1,700. It was kind of cool. It had, like, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and um, Pink Panther and stuff. It was like a jigsaw puzzle piece, but with all this colored animation and stuff. It was really cool. If I had the money, I totally would have bought it, uh, invested in art, something like that. I mean, it was really cool. <laughs> well done. I, you, I saw that. I see that. I don't know you. I didn't because, see that. Uh, you, you, I, yes, see I, you. I see it now. I see it now clearly. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, that's what brought me over here. If you want, you can see it. If you don't, no. I do want to see it. I do. As soon as I mention <laughs> boobies, um, I think her husband then comes over. <laughs> no, congratulations. It's my husband. I'm oh, hello. I'm <laughs> very nice, nice to meet you. you. How are you? Nice to meet nice you, Andres. We always Put it yeah. I see the face. I see what she's thinking. Of course. She's beautiful. And he, yes. He see the boobies. She knows. She, he, he's the first thing I know. 
Well, do you guys live? You live in Argentina yeah. now. They're probably Nazis, but uh, you know, you want to be polite just in case they're undercover or something. I can't tell them I'm Jewish. Uh, you know, just in case you don't know. You don't know what's going on in Argentina all these years. You know. How yes. you just came up for this? That's, you yes. travel like the world, showing your art. That's amazing. You're like a real artist. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's no joke. It's really no, no. In two months, I've really nice. been in Barcelona. After in Singapore, I, I wow, and I like to 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 go. And he works in Argentina, but no farmer, he's freelance. No farmer. He's a freelance. Farmer? Yes. Oh, wow. So Arrest, he can yes. yes. come. He, 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 he can with me. You're very handsome to be a farmer. Yeah. You know, usually the farmers we have here are kind of stupid and no, no teeth. Come on. You know? no. no, no, it's, it's yeah, fine. yeah, I know, I, I know. Yeah, the guy's a farmer. It doesn't add up. Probably, uh, you know, farming uh, Nazis to give them uh, lovely places to live and hide, you know, so they could live long lives after the Holocaust. Yeah, that's right. That's probably what they're doing. Those pictures are probably painted with the blood of... Okay, where did this podcast go? You know, uh, so, I mean, you know, listen... I put on the recorder, but it wasn't that great. I thought I'd get more, but, um, you know, I felt bad carrying the phone around. I, I, I got to find another secret way to record so we can get serious. But I just like when uh, they're all talking about art and my friend is trying to be like, oh, this is very, like, he's trying to be like, it's very urban and orientated. Like, she's trying to be that person. And I'm like, oh, grow up. Let's talk about the boobies and these paintings. And then the husband comes over. Can I help everyone? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that's always funny when you end up coughing that's like um in the beginning of uh you know the the jerry the 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 tv show jerry on time remember and the they cut to the guy playing kramer and he's, and he's eating the peanuts and he starts choking <laughs> it's funny every time right no? Am I crazy? No, it's funny every time. So anyway, after that night, right? So I go to, um, I, I'm a little drunk and I was going to meet those little girls again. And then, um, so, so, so what happened at work, the whole accounting department is Filipinos. And apparently the Filipino custom is that when it's your birthday, you have to buy food for other people. In which I reply, what the fuck is the matter with you people? Are you out of your goddamn mind? And the guy's like, no, it all works itself out because you get other people. I'm like, oh, I guess I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it's okay. So you got to buy food for other people. So there's this kid's birthday. He's a kid. He's turned 29. And he buys... <laughs> Actually, this... Joe, I know you're listening and you know what's coming, but um, I got to tell the people... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't think we were going to not talk about that. Anyway, this kid buys this food. I don't know what it's called, like Jolly Boy or Juicy Kid. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's something. It's some Filipino food. It's right by the Port Authority, you know, the bus terminal in the city. And this kid has it, and they have these big trays of beautiful spaghetti, but it's Filipino spaghetti, so it's a sweeter sauce and cut up hot dogs, like Sheldon likes, the Big Bang Theory, and fried chicken. And I'm like, wow, that looks good. So I go in, I sit on the same floor as the accounting department and Joe, you know, our friend Joe works uh, right next to me. 
And so we have lunch every day. So I'm going in to see if he's going to have lunch. It's about 12.55. You know, and I go, are we going to have lunch today? And I swear to God, this the re- I, I laughed so hard because this is, I, you know how I love living in a sitcom-like dream? So this guy, so Joe, he's, his back is to me. Um, and I go, hey, are we going to lunch? And I swear to God, he turns around. His plate is full of fried chicken and spaghetti, and he's got a piece of spaghetti. He's got a wad of spaghetti in his mouth, and he goes, yeah, I'll be ready in five minutes. <laughs> Whereas the best was that his back was turned, right? So he's making the turn. (laughs) But he's like Engelberg in uh, the Bad News Bears. He's like, I need substance. And he eats the candy bar. He doesn't even take the wrappers off. He's like the fat kid. I mean, Joe's not even that fat. But it's just he's he's playing the fat kid role today. (laughs) Well, let me ask Tubby if he wants to go to lunch. Yeah, I'll be right there. Mm, Let me just finish the spaghetti. (laughs) These are my, um, these are 11sies. Uh, do you mean second breakfast? <laughs> yeah, I'll be right down. God, I'm starving today, too. What are we having? Chinese, I hope. It was so funny. And the funny, because normally you would at least expect if he turned around the thing, oh, you know what? I already ate. But no, you can rely on Joe to never miss a meal. And that's why we're friends, because I just made fried rice again. You know, I've been doing that. So I got ingredients yesterday, made it. Ate half of it. I mean, there's a lot of it. It's a big wok full of rice, fried rice. It's beautiful. I've been making it really good. Looking old school with dark soy sauce. And then this morning, I got up, ate the rest of it. It's pathetic. So listen, as much as I want to make fun of Joe, I'm in the same boat. That's the problem with this guy. I can't eat healthy with this guy. We eat too much. We like eating too much. It's too great. Everything is so delicious. So then on Thursday, all I could think about was that spaghetti in his mouth and the cut up hot dogs and the fried chicken. And I'm like, I haven't eaten since lunch. I'm like, I'm going to go to that place. I'm by the Port Authority. I'm, I'm actually at Penn Station. I'm like, I'm going to cut. I'm going to walk further. I'm going to get this food and take it back to the taxi from the taxi to my house. I asked Joe where it's located. He goes, it's by the Port Authority. I go, I, I don't know what it's called. Jolly Boy Juice. I don't know what the fuck it's called. And I go in there, it's nice and clean, the people are lovely, and I just order the combo, two pieces of fried chicken, and the spaghetti. And I, they're like, it comes with a drink. I'm like, I can't have the drink, I'm, I'm taking it home, I don't want any trouble. I got a cab, when I got out of the cab, the driver's like, hey, thanks for bringing that food, that smells amazing. I'm like, I know. And I went home and I ate the whole thing and it was absolutely perfect. As ever, I had never tried the spaghetti. Joe just told me what it was like, and it looked so delicious in his mouth. (laughs) And it was amazing. And then the next day, I was sitting in bed the next night. So that was on Thursday. So Friday night, I was in bed looking at Seamless to see if they deliver here. Then I looked it up on Urban Eats and Postmates, and none of them deliver I was like, I might need that again this weekend. I might have to go serious, uh, get the spaghetti platter. I might have to. They even give you a thing of gravy. You just dip the fried chicken in the... Oh. Oh, yeah. Boy, it was terrific. Boy. Jolly boy, juicy boy. What the hell is the name of it? I can't... I just don't care. You know I mean? All right, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. 
I'll look it up. Why am I wasting time with this? I, I don't even know if I'll be able to. I'll just put in Filipino Jolly Boy. Jolly Boy. I was close. What do I call it? Jelly Boy? Oh, I called the Juicy Boy. <laughs> oh, Jolly B. Jolly B. <laughs> I put in Jolly Boy to find it. That's how it came up. Jolly B. J-O-L-L-I-B-E-E. It's new. Philippines-based chain known for its burgers. Fr- oh, they got burgers? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm never going to have sex again. I'm just going to eat. I'm pretty sure that's what... Oh, I think that happened the other night. Yeah. Uh, I think Tuesday after my show, I could have done well. And all I could think about, every time before I have a show, I go to this place called Lenwich. They make a Thanksgiving sandwich. It's a hero with turkey, gravy, cranberry stuff. You know, the whole Thanksgiving, it's beautiful. And I always eat half of it before the show because, I, you know, I want to, I know I'm not going to eat again for a long time. And all I could think about was I got to get home and eat the other half of that sandwich. I'm, I'm tell, I will never meet another girl again. All I can think about is that sandwich at my house. Now, that's when you know you've gotten old. That's the difference. That's the difference. Do you think I ever would have let that happen in my 20s? You know, as long as it's before sunrise um, or my 30s. Maybe even my 40s. I'm trying to think. But I think that's when you know you've got the limit because I know Atel feels a similar way. Um, I'm only thinking about that sandwich. That's when you know things have changed. I can only think of that sandwich. But I really wish I I didn't. I would like to lose some weight. You know, I mean, if you're going to have hair, right? We've talked about it. I mean, you know. Anyway, so Saturday, right? I got this. So I got these big plans, right? So Saturday, I got errands, right? I'm, I, I've been to New Jersey every Friday night for the past three weeks. I'm like, good. Saturday, I'm just going to do errands. I'm going to do errands. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to that digitizing place that digitized that pilot. That's, you know, I can pick up that stuff for Bob's Burgers, right? <clears throat> that's, in, that's right over. I'm, I'm pointing to it because it's right across the street from my house, but you got to go over the water. It's in Brooklyn, technically. I'm going to go to Queens, so I got to go to Queens. I got to Brooklyn, right? Then I'm going to go to Soho to get my hair cut. Then I'm going to drop off money at Fiori's for the Sweet 16 pool. Then I'm going to see Liz. I'm going to try and pick up my check. And then I'm going to go to Live PD. Do you guys know what Live PD is? Well, I didn't know what it was either until my friends Joe and Caitlin kept telling me about it. They told me about it 100 times. I still didn't know what it was. Now I'm finally watching it, and it's amazing. It's on A&E. It's live Fridays and Saturdays from 9 to 12. It's a live cop show where the camera is just going on with – you know, they have cameramen that just follow people that get arrested for drunk driving or drugs or whatever. And it's quite addictive. It's three hours live. And my friend t- works on the show. So I said, let me meet you. You know, if I have his dinner break or lunch break before they start, it's about five o'clock. And it's, it's right by my house. So I said, I'll meet you for lunch on Saturday. So I had a full day planned of errands, which I was very excited about. And I was and I didn't get my car out. I was going to bicycle to all of them. As long as I could get the electric bike, because there was no way I'm going over the Queensboro Bridge or the Williamsburg Bridge with a regular bike. I am not in any kind of shape to do that. I need the electric bike. So I was lucky, came outside, got the electric bike, went all the way to Queens, over the Pulaski Bridge or whatever, into Brooklyn, parked the bike, walked over, picked up the stuff. When I come out of the door, I see another kid I know. From my old office, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable running into somebody in this particular neighborhood. If you saw this neighborhood, you'd be like, you met somebody here? It's real messed up. It's like quiet and weird, and it's a strange place. 
But he was on his bike, and he lives in Manhattan too, and that's on his bike path, so it's kind of funny. So then I went looking for another electric bike because I am not going over the Williamsburg Bridge. I mean, this is a long way to go, but then when I looked at it, the thing was only three miles. It seemed like it was so long if you know Manhattan or Brooklyn. I mean, if you look it up on a map, you're like, wow, that's a long way to go. So I had to get a regular bike to go to get an electric bike because there's no way I'm going over that bridge. It's like a two-mile steep thing, and that's where the electric bikes are beautiful. I can ride a regular bike, but up a hill, who needs it? You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to get all sweaty and everything before I get my hair cut. So I took a bike to an electric bike, picked up the electric bike, went over the Williamsburg Bridge, which is so much foot traffic nowadays, went all the way to Soho, got my hair cut, and then dropped the money off at the pizza place, which is so funny and just so shady, and then uh, went to the cellar where Liz and I had a wonderful talk for like an hour, which was cool. Then I ended up going to the bar I hang out with and um, had like three Bloody Marys, talked to some people. Cause then I, oh, because then my friend canceled the live PD, so then I, I didn't have the rest of my plan. So I had nothing to do. It was my plan. That was my plan. I was so excited, all these plans. And then today, I was supposed to pick up Billy at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, how, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Um, you got to practice. Uh, he was supposed to do something where he didn't want to do something. I don't know. I was supposed to pick him up. It was supposed to be some sort of scam um, where I pick him up and then uh, Beth can, uh, I, I, I don't know. And I drop him off at the train and that was what I was supposed to do at four o'clock. But then he got sick because the kid's always sick. I'm like, you guys are pathetic. That was my big plan. Well, meanwhile, I really should have gotten to visit Rhoda today because I'm going to L.A. And then I say, you know, you want to see your mom before you leave or somebody because, you know, I'm just doing the best I can. Right. I'm doing the best I can. What do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? What am I supposed to do with this kid? I mean, that's hey, 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 you know what I'm saying? Um, What else was I saying? No, I think that was. Uh, oh. Come on, Steve. Well, I would say that's uh, probably our show for today, I guess. We talked, well, we talked for quite a while with no, with nothing to talk about. Those are the best kind of shows, don't you think? All right, so next week, my guests will be uh, Guillermo Salazar, everybody's favorite, and his daughter, Varen. Now, you might remember that he took his daughter to see 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, she's eight years old, so we'll be talking about that. Then she has a list of questions for me that are hilarious. Why aren't you married? Why do you talk so much? I think you'll like it. Sure, she's eight. It gets annoying after a little bit, but whatever. It's me and Mamo and the kid. That's next week. And when we come back, I will regale you with stories from La La Land. And then we will get serious about this podcast. We'll be doing a show with a comedy seller with Sarah Silverman and friends in the coming weeks. That's all coming up on The Nightfly with Dave Joskow, your Tuesday pal, and your pal forever, who will always be bringing you the goods every Tuesday through the end of time. But that's our show for today. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And a wonderful April, and I will see you next time on the Night Fly. Good night, everybody. <laughs>